Welcome back to episode 30. Wow! A milestone indeed. That's so exciting. Very exciting. We also just hit another milestone, which is that we passed 10,000 plays. Wow, you guys! Did we ever do the math? Approximately how many listeners does that make? It doesn't seem exciting. It, it's like only 300 listeners or 400 listeners or oh, so man. an episode. But that's a small enough number. But 10,000 sounds 10, really exciting. Listeners. Yeah, listening. I like to think that everybody listened to one episode. Yeah, so it's 10,000 people, but they just hate yeah. us immediately. <laughs> they never, <laughs> they were like, ugh. They never listen again. Yeah, that's what I'd prefer it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Rather than 200 devoted, loving <laughs> fans. It's like, there's um there's a phrase that's also a musical, and it's, I'd rather be nine people's favorite thing. I'd rather be thing. nine people's favorite thing than a hundred people's ninth favorite thing. Yeah, you want the yeah. opposite of that. You'd rather um, be a hundred people's ninth favorite what thing. What is that musical? It's called um, Title of Show. It is. Yeah. Very good. Highly recommend. Very mm-hmm. cute. Perform it at your college. It only needs, like, two chairs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what are we talking about? <laughs> Today we're going to talk about two interesting topics. I am going to talk about the Harding administration. What? I know, sexy. Sexy. And I'm going to talk about Lorena Bobbitt. Sexy. Um, which is filled with twists and turns that I had no idea. I'm excited. I knew the, I knew the kind of standard. Yeah. You know, this is what this is about. The thing that And happens. maybe you do. I, maybe I know you the, don't. I think I know the thing. Yeah, everybody knows the thing. I think We're going to talk about the new one. We will. Can we so. talk about my boy Warren first? Let's talk about Warren Harding. Warren G. Harding. There he first. is. So, here's how I came to this topic. I was recently going on one of my semi-monthly panic spirals. Love it. Where I'm just overwhelmed about all the hot, horrifying things mm. in the whole world. Yeah, we all have those. Yeah. And, and you have to do them pretty regularly. Yeah, you're going to... You gotta empty the tank. You do. You do. And a reoccurring star of these panic spirals I have is our current president of the United States. Yeah, he who must not be named. Yeah, um, but I can say Donald J. Trump Jr. because I did a whole segment on that man. Yeah. But anyway, so I'm laying in bed, paralyzed with crippling anxiety. Mm. And I think to myself, my God, have we ever had a worse president? No. I am not even going to try to answer that question today, <laughs> but I am going to present a worthy contender. Right. All right? And okay. I'm not going to tell you who's better or who's worse. Harding's better. Well. <laughs> I don't want to undermine <laughs> your segment. But Harding's better. So i got to tell you, I did my segment and I do agree. All right. Well. Spoiler alert. So we're alert. all going in with the same expectations. Yeah. But I do think he's a worthy contender. And it also feels like now that I'm covering this and I already covered the Clinton Lewinsky scandal, maybe I should just do a mini series on shitty presidents. Do all our presidents. Maybe maybe instead like we'll still be doing I'm horrified, but I'm just also doing a full presidential Absolutely. in every episode. Two podcasts for the price of one. Mini series a- Sam does the presidents. <laughs> I love that title too. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to talk to you about the presidential administration of Warren G. Harding, our 29th president and a big ol' fuck-up. Yeah. So. Is he the one who uh, coughed and died, like, a day after being president? That is Zachary Taylor. <laughs> Got it. Okay. No, we can just, I had to ask. Everyone no, was thinking it. It's, it's good to, it's good to double check. I, for a second, I thought maybe that was that, this guy too, but it's, he's not him. Mm. He's Warren G. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Warren G. Harding is born on November 2nd, 1865, in Blooming Grove, Ohio. He's nicknamed Winnie as a small child, which is <laughs> just so sweet. Stupid. Cute. <laughs> and he is the oldest of eight children. Gross. 
born to George Tryon Harding and Phoebe Elizabeth Dickerson Harding. Love that name. I know. <laughs> Dickerson was her maiden name. Okay. But I like to imagine she said the whole thing. So Sweet Winnie, he goes to college at Ohio Central College, and then he starts a career as a newspaper editor. And this could have been a simple life for him. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, pretty early he buys this failing newspaper, the Marion Star, and he's just, like, the editor-in-chief of this little newspaper. He's just the Rory Gilmore of this little town. Literally, yes. Yeah. Um, Little Win. (laughs) Young Win. Winnie Gilmore, if you will. (laughs) But unfortunately, in 1885, he starts getting involved in politics. Don't. You can't do that when you work in the news, either. Surprise, he did it. That's, <laughs> a, that's an indicator of things to come, if yeah. nothing else is. So Warren becomes a mover and a shaker in the Ohio Republican Party. At first, he's not, like, actually running for office. He's just, like, a figurehead, and he's, like, okay. voting at the caucuses and, like, that kind of thing. But he eventually runs for state senator in 1899 and wins. Mm -hmm. And at the end of his first four-year term, he is already one of the most popular figures in the Republican Party. All right, Winnie. Yeah, he just, he has this really calm and humble demeanor, which really endears him to people. And they end up going to him as, like, a problem solver. Mm. And something interesting is, like, he's really rapidly moving up the Republican chain of command. But none of the Republicans are that mad because they're like, Winnie's such a nice guy. (laughs) <laughs> oh, my boy, Winnie Win. <laughs> yeah. He can do whatever he wants. He can. I don't care that I've been working here for 20 years and he's yeah. my boss now. Is he still working at the newspaper? Um, I think he is part-time, or at least, like, he owns it. This reminds me... That's unethical, and this reminds <laughs> me of... I think I've mentioned on this on this show before that my boyfriend is a journalist, mm-hmm. and um, he told me that when he was in, I think, middle school, he was, like... He worked for the middle school paper, but he was also, like, the treasurer for student government. Ugh. And I was like... Uh, I hope your boss doesn't find out <laughs> that you compromised yourself that way. But can't believe he's corrupt. I know. I can't believe that his whole career is a lie. <laughs> oh but God. much like Warren G. Harding, I guess we should add the Boston Globe on this. We episode. should. <laughs> we really should. Um. So it's when he becomes a state senator that he starts making deals. Okay. So this is kind of stuff that's not that big a deal. And especially not in the time that Warren G. Harding is doing it, which is, like, the turn of the century. Oh, yeah, everyone was breaking the law. Kind of, yes. And, like, a lot of politicians do it. But just, like, for later in this episode, okay. let's remember that even now, Warren is doing stuff like arranging for his sister Mary to be appointed <laughs> as a teacher at the Ohio School for the Blind, even though there are a lot more better qualified candidates. And also offering publicity in his newspaper in exchange for free railroad passes for himself and his you family. You can't do that. He is. He's doing it. But to him, it's not a big deal. Like, people have made comments that are like, Warren, if you had asked Warren Harding if he was breaking the law, like, he would have told you no. He did not think that, like, making yeah. a deal, making a trade. There weren't, like, laws back then, I don't think. No, it was just the Wild Wild West. Yeah. You know? But, uh, even though it was Ohio, but... It's as far west as I want to get. Amen. Amen, sister. But anyways, so just keep that in mind, that even then, he's a a deal maker, he's a trader of things, of favors. That's his style. And his meteoric rise continues. He becomes a U.S. senator in 1914, and then by 1920, he decides it is time and he runs for president. And he wins! Yes! I mean, yes? <laughs> yes. I mean, no. So he becomes, the, he's elected in 1920, he starts serving in 1921, and he serves until 1923. That's oh. right, he only serves three years because he dies of a heart attack just three years into his presidency. Bummer. And he's succeeded by his VP, Calvin Coolidge. Honestly, though, 
Dying three years into his presidency is probably the best thing that Warren could have done. <laughs> because it is only after he dies that we discover all the fucked up shit that's happening in his administration. Tell me everything. I just, like, he never had to deal with any of it. It was the move to die right when he did. <gasps> I just remembered something that he did. Is it the Teapot Dome scandal? I don't remember, but it was on Boardwalk Empire, I think. <laughs> okay, it might have been this. This is the one he's, like, the most famous scandal of his administration. I'm going to talk to you about three. So, definitely what's most famous that we found out about Harding's administration after he died is the Teapot Dome scandal. Before the Watergate scandal, Teapot Dome was regarded as the greatest and most sensational scandal in the history of American politics. Not Mariah Reynolds? I know. No, no, no. It was, it was Teapot Dome. Yeah. Well, at least, I, I think Alexander Hamilton was like, no, I fucked her. Like, that yeah. wasn't much of a scandal. It wasn't like, a scandal was as like, much as it was like, dude. That happened. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> but, so, what basically happened with Teapot Dome is this. The U.S. Navy, at the time, owned several oil reserves because the government wanted to make sure that the Navy always had access to fuel, which makes sense. We want our Navy to work. Yeah. So, this was, like, government land, and it was for specifically the Navy. In 1921, right when he becomes president, Harding makes a change, and he issues an executive order that transferred control of three Navy Reserve oil fields, which were the Teapot Dome oil field, hence the name of the scandal, the Elk Hills oil field, and the Buena Vista oil field. He transfers the ownership of them from the Navy Department to the Department of the Interior. Why does he do this? Why, Sam? It's not super clear, but we do know that he did this around the time he appointed his friend Albert Fall as the Secretary of the Interior. Okay. So now shady's going on. His bro Albert is in charge of these oil fields all of a sudden. Quickly, with Fall at the head, things start changing on these oil fields. All the contracts are going to private drilling companies as opposed to, like, government labor, and there's totally no transparency about why or how much the government is paying. Which, when you do, like, a government contract, that's supposed to be really, really transparent to the Mm. public. Like, people are supposed to bid on it, and then, like, you see how much they're bidding. It's supposed to be, like, super clear. Good thing we've sorted all that stuff out with transparency and everything. I'm so glad there's no more corruption in the federal government. What I'm talking about is Hillary's emails, by the way. (laughs) Just to be clear. But her emails. So, finally, because this is such a weird change, people start pushing back that, like, this is very weird. Why are we doing this? Mm-hmm. Why is there no public announcement of any of these deals? Why yeah. is there no bidding? Why would this be in the back alley? Like, yeah. what is it even Why about? can't the Navy just get their oil like they had been doing? Why did we change it? The natural question. <laughs> um, so hearings about this Teapot Dome scandal begin in October of 1923, two months after Harding kicks the bucket. Again, that was his best move. <laughs> it was just getting the fuck out of there. And what we discover is that Albert Fall, Harding's bro, has been paid very handsomely to hire these private companies to drill in the Navy Reserve fields. He rakes in about $400,000 from these companies. Yikes. And he uses it to make over his New Mexico ranch. Right. Uh, So when asked about it, Fall pleads the fifth. (laughs) He does not want to comment. And he is ultimately convicted in 1929 for accepting brides. And in 1931, he becomes the first U.S. cabinet member to be imprisoned for crimes committed while in office. Nice. What a great record to hold. We've probably blown that record out of the water at this point. (laughs) I mean, but he was the first. Yeah. There's something to be said for that. You can't erase the first. Yeah. You never forget your first. (laughs) You never do. And, And ours was Albert Fall. Yeah. 
So there have been letters that have since, like, come to light that reveal that Harding approved of all of these transfers of power within the oil reserves. It's not necessarily clear that he was getting money from it, but he definitely was like, yeah, Albert, that's fine with me. Use these private contractors. I don't give a fuck. You're my bro. You're my friend. And that was obviously not the right move. Mm-hmm. So that's scandal number one. Now let's talk about the Veterans Bureau. What? I know. It is also very bad and also only revealed after Harding just said peace to this mortal coil. Yeah. And went on up to heaven, question mark? I don't think so. So Charles R. Forbes was a really good friend of Harding's who was super psyched when he decided to run for president and ended up working on his campaign. And after he gets elected... Harding appoints Forbes the director of the Veterans Bureau. Sick title. Just a great, solid title. Yeah. Forbes decides it's going to be a good idea to consolidate control of veterans hospitals and their construction into the Bureau, instead of where they had lived at the time, which was the Treasury Department. Okay. And Harding agrees, because that makes sense, that the Veterans Bureau controls the veterans hospitals. And also, why wouldn't he agree with his friend? He loves Charlie. They're bros. Charlie, Winnie, they go way back. They go so far back. Harding transfers controls of all the veterans' hospitals to the Veterans Bureau and therefore to Charles Forbes. Harding transfers control of all the veterans' hospitals to the Veterans Bureau and therefore to Charles Forbes. Mm -hmm. And Forbes' main task is, is to ensure that new hospitals are built around the country to help the 300,000 wounded World War I veterans. And priority number one. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, But Charles decides that instead of doing that, he is going to get very, very rich. No. I know, right? The 300,000 World War I veterans? Dude. You don't need to redo your pool house or whatever. I know. What did that other guy do? He, it was his ranch. Oh, well, never mind. You gotta do that. (laughs) Amen. It's your primary living space. (laughs) Exactly. It needs to be nice. So Forbes befriends two guys, Elias Mortimer of the Thompson Black Construction Company and Charles F. Hurley of the Hurley Mason Construction Company. Like I said before, government contracts are supposed to be really transparent. They're supposed to be a whole bidding process. And then, like, it's finally decided very publicly. But Forbes, Mortimer, and Hurley decide instead to make sure that one of those two companies always gets the hospital contracts. And as long as they do that, they split the profits equally three ways. So no matter which of the two companies gets picked, all three of them get a payday. Perfect. Right? And because all the money going into the hospital is now ultimately ending up in Forbes's pocket, he begins defrauding the federal government. So it's just things like hospital beds really cost $3,000, but Forbes marks the cost as $4,000, and then he and his bros pocket the rest. What's the problem? <laughs> it's that it's money for the, me. It's that money for airtight. the, the yeah. veterans, Al. The, the World War I veterans. Yeah, well, you know. Then again... Maybe Forbes needed a ranch. They get the beds, don't they? <laughs> they so, do. They do get the, the beds. Problem. The most egregious example of this is when Forbes purchases land worth $20,000. He purchases it for $105,000. So you can imagine where all of that excess is ending up. In his pocket. Oh my god. He wants it. Obviously, this can only stay quiet for so long. Poor Harding finds out about this when he is still alive. Uh, And he is furious with Forbes and despondent over the corruption in his administration. Jokes on him, he'll never know about T-Bot Dome. Yeah. So. That's surprising to me, though, because he's such a fuck-up in every other regard. I feel like he'd be like, 
Yeah, (laughs) I guess. (laughs) Sounds right. I think he truly just, like, I'll come back to this at the end, but I think he truly just was hiring his bros, Yeah. and when they were taking advantage of their position, he was like, bruh. Yeah, we got a real Bush Coke Brothers situation here. I think it really is. I think he was the Bush of his time. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) You know? From Um, everything I'm hearing so far. exactly. So, he finds out about this, he's furious, but... Instead of making it public that this has all happened and putting him on trial, Harding tells Forbes to resign and flee to Europe. And then he does everything he can to keep a lid on the scandal. Not what he should have done. Right. Don't do that. I mean, if you did that to me, I would just send you to France and be like, we're done with it. Do but you, know you don't I mean? hold public office, baby. <sighs> but, you know, if even if I did, I'll never be able to run for office now, but even yeah. if I did and you wronged me in some way... You, Go to Switzerland. Babe. I would do that for you. Thank you. I would wrong every, I would wrong every veteran <laughs> for you. <laughs> I would fuck over everyone in this country for you. Oh my god. I I'd, would love I'd kill him for nothing you. more than for me to be, like, running for mayor someday <laughs> and for some, someone to play this and be like, yeah. Uh, I would love that too. And it will be me playing it. Yeah. I like to imagine that. So, unfortunately, so Forbes does flee to Europe, but he actually is not doing himself any favors because turns out he's been having an affair with Mortimer's wife. And now Mortimer is furious and flips on him and turns state's witness and is basically like, here's what we were doing. He was embezzling from the federal government. Then he fucked my wife, so I'm not going to (laughs) keep his secret anymore. Uh, Crucial mistake. I know. That's the first mistake. Don't don't fuck your embezzling partner's wife. Mm-hmm. That's what they say. That's rule one of Fight Club. You crack open the first book you read in business (laughs) school, that's the first thing you'll read. Don't do it. So, Winnie is dead before the hearings begin. Good. Which, good for him. But Forbes was ultimately found guilty and served two years in prison, which is good because fuck him for taking money meant (laughs) meant for World War I veterans. Yeah, that doesn't sound like enough. I feel like it should be more than that. I know. Well, because it was like white collar crimes always. It's like, you have to be in jail for one minute. Yeah. But true. don't do it again. Like, that's... And they're like, I won't. <laughs> and then they write a book. They're millionaires. Yeah. So now we're going to get to section three of my scandals. And this is called This Guy Fucks. Yeah. Get... This is what I know about. Yeah. Boardwalk Empire. So the two scandals that I just talked about, and many more, all broke shortly after Harding's death. You'd think we would know everything there was to know about Harding by the time the year 2000 rolled around. But boy, would you be wrong. In 2014, this this is my favorite part. In 2014, the Library of Congress released some of Harding's personal papers. And when I say personal, I mean incredibly personal. Yeah. They were, in fact, love letters between Harding and his mistress, Carrie Fulton Phillips, that were written before Harding became president. Carrie and Harding's affair lasted on and off for 15 years. And even when they broke it off sexually, they still, like, were writing to each other. Yeah. And the Republican Party really wanted to not let anyone know about this because Kerry supported the Germans and in World War I, and that is not a good look. It's a bad look, yeah. The New York Times called the letters, quote, the most explicit thing ever written by an American president. Yeah. And we're going to read two excerpts. Awesome. <laughs> I have a poem that he wrote for her. Oh my god. Would you like me to read the poem, or would you like to? I want you to read it to me. Absolutely. Here it is, in a love letter to Carrie. This is what Warren wrote. I'm Carrie. You're Carrie, I'm Warren. You're Winnie. (laughs) I'm your sweet Winnie. Sing it, Winnie. (laughs) 
Here we go. I love your poise of perfect thighs when they hold me in paradise. Oh my god. I love the rose your garden grows. Love seashell pink that over it glows. I know what that means. I love to suck <gasps> your breath away. Oh my god. I love to cling there long to stay. I love you garbed but naked more. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the zone. <laughs> Give me it. Love your beauty to thus adore. And? <laughs> I love you when you open eyes and mouth and arms and cradling thighs. If I had you today, I'd kiss and fondle you into my arms and hold you there until you said, Warren, oh Warren, in a benediction of blissful joy. I rather like that encore discovered oh in Montreal. It keeps going. Did you? Oh. Ends on a question, which is so sexy. You love it. I'm into it. Frankly, good for Warren. You love it. I think it's a little contrived. I felt, I felt both sexual emotion, but also an emotional connection. I thought he used thighs too much. I did think he used thighs maybe one time too many. Yeah, but. But when he's talking about, um, when he's talking about her clit, I thought that was great. Yeah. When he was, like, seashell pink, I was like, ooh. I don't, at this point in literature, have a lot of respect left in me for the couplet. <laughs> but, you know, he did his best. He did his best. Um, here's one more, which is not a poem. This is just a paragraph from a Can I read it? I want to yeah. read this one. Um, I'm going to not give you an important piece of conflict text. You're just going to read it. I'm just going to read it. Okay. It starts right there. Oh, carry mine. Okay, so you're carry. Yes. Oh, carry mine. You can see I have yielded and written myself into wild desire. Oh, so it's happening while he's writing. Yeah. I could beg. And Jerry... What? And Jerry came and will not go. Says he loves you. Who's Jerry? Keep reading. That says he loves you, that you are the only, only love worthwhile in all this world. Who is Jerry? <laughs> and I must tell you so, and a score or more of other fond things he suggests... But I spare you. Who the fuck is this? Just keep reading. You must not be annoyed. He is so utterly devoted that he only exists to give you all. I fear you would find a fierce enthusiast today. And just read this sentence that I wrote. Important note. Jerry is his penis. <laughs> Jerry is what President Warren G. Harding called his penis, Allie. No. <laughs> yes, it absolutely is. No, it isn't. Why would you name it Jerry? Why did he choose Jerry? <laughs> Of every name. <laughs> I feel like I need to read it again. Yeah, read the Jerry section now with that okay. knowledge. Jerry came and will not go. All right, now that makes sense. <laughs> Says he loves you and that you are only, only love worthwhile in all this world. Yeah, it's coming together. Yeah. Um, you must not be annoyed. He is so utterly devoted that he only exists to give you all. Again, that makes more... It makes a lot more sense Narrative now. sense. Okay, I'm, you know, well... Now that you know Jerry's a dick. <laughs> oh my god. I thought that maybe they were, like, polyamorous. Uh, that would be a fun ending to the story, but that's not true. Jerry's just his dick. So many penises in this episode. Whoops. Spoilies. <laughs> oh my God. You all know what happens later. We, we, I know a little, yeah. Um, so that's 2014 we find out about that. Right. 2015 we discover even more presidential fucking. Yeah. DNA testing confirms that President Warren Harding had a child out of wedlock, his only biological child, with his other mistress, Nan Britton. That's the one I remember. Yes. So Britton had first come forward publicly about the claim that her daughter was Harding's daughter in a 1927 autobiography, The President's Daughter. 
Right. And in that book, she details a steamy six-year affair, including one encounter in the White House closet. Ooh. Which, I wonder if Monica and Bill were also in that closet. Like, what has that closet seen? I hope just for the sake of the cosmos. True. Yeah, right? At the time of the publishing, this book um, is met with public ridicule, and it's totally discounted as the stuff of pornographic fiction. And Nan is considered, like, a slut and an attention whore. Remember that episode I did about Monica Lewinsky? Mm -hmm. Things are sounding familiar. But joke's on all those people because Nan's daughter, Elizabeth Ann, was absolutely Warren's daughter. Yep. So just fuck people, you know? Or don't. Or don't. Maybe don't fuck a sitting president if you're not his wife. That is a, I know that's a hot take. Unless you're his husband. And yes. then I hope. <laughs> and then I hope you guys bone in the linking bedroom. I hope we get there in my yes. lifetime. Absolutely. If you're not the committed partner. Yes. Of a president. Don't bone them. Just can't take that risk. I recommend you don't do it. So to conclude. Yeah. Warren G. Harding was a terrible president, but he died before anyone realized that, which is a huge mood. (laughs) (laughs) That's so true. He himself once wrote in a letter to his mistress, Carrie, quote, I am not fit for this office. I never should have been here. Which, again, is one of the biggest moods I've ever heard. And I think, like, I could imagine, like, Bush, like GW, on the phone to Laura saying the same thing. Yeah. I imagine him saying it to Barbara. He's like, Mama. Yeah. (laughs) I am not fit for this office and never should have been here. Yeah, that's so true. That's so true. So let's all pour one out for Warren G and hope uh, someday our current president is also just an interesting footnote to history. Oh, yeah. In a hundred years, maybe people will be like, lol, Trump. I know. And it'd be such a bummer if he died three years in the presidency. I know. Too dark? I know. It's not. Um, that was great. Yeah, but so I'm horrified and that's yeah. my story about Warren G. Harding. Oh my god. I hope you liked it. I loved it. AdamandEve.com is the world's number one online source for adult toys. And I'm horrified is the world's number one source for nightmares, aren't we, Sam? We so are. So, we've joined forces to bring you some sweet deals. Use our offer code HORROR at checkout for 50% off almost any item plus free shipping. That's H-O-R-R-O-R. AdamandEve.com. We're not horrified at all. That poem just gets me every time. I love that poem. I read it twice at work today, and I kept being nervous my boss was going to come and and see me reading, what is porn? Yeah, you did read that (laughs) at at work. Yeah. Um, But it's also historical. Have you ever read James Joyce's? Yes. They're dirty. They're not love letters. They're sex letters. Yeah, they're just straight, like, I want to fuck you in the ass. Like, that's what James Joyce wrote to his wife. We are not editorializing that at all. That's, like, (laughs) almost word for word when he wrote. He uses the word asshole. (laughs) Like, a lot. (laughs) More than even than Harding used thighs. We didn't choose it. Yeah, and then I forgive Harding. (laughs) You know what I mean? Oh my god. Well, (laughs) how am I supposed to talk about this So now now? let's segue into something else where someone inappropriately uses a penis. Let's talk about something different. I have a cold, so I apologize for my sniffles. I'm sorry about your um, symbols, too. I'm also drinking through this podcast, so that's not help. That's not going to help. That's not help. That's not help. <laughs> so, a quick content warning. This segment does contain references to sexual violence and domestic abuse, uh, though they are brief. Great. Um, Thank you. So, many of you will know right away what I'm about to talk about. 
And I you're going to want you're going to want me to start with the incident, but I'm not going to. No, tease it out. Um, I'm going to give you that sweet sweet context first. Mm. Uh, unfortunately, it's terrible context. No, it's a it's a terrible situation that you need to know before I inform you about Lorena Bobbitt's story. Lorena Gallo, her maiden name, was born in Ecuador and raised in Venezuela, and she moved to Virginia here in the U.S. after she graduated high school to begin community college. She worked as a nanny, and she worked in a nail salon and did odd jobs just to get herself through school. When she was 19, she met John Wayne Bobbitt. What a stupid name. Yeah. (laughs) For a stupid person I dislike. I can tell he sucks. And I'll tell you why later. (laughs) I don't know why. You do know why. I, well, I know... Oh, well, you know what happens. What happens. You don't know why he sucks. But I can tell he sucks. Yeah. Even now. I'm not gonna say the thing yet. Don't say the thing yet. I won't do it yet. Don't, I'm not asking you to. Stop asking me to. (laughs) Just tell me about John Wayne Bobbitt. So they started dating. He was an ex-Marine, um, and I think he was older than her, but I'm not sure. And they went on innocent dates together. They went to the movies. They went out for ice cream at Friendly's, one article I read, (laughs) wrote. Oh, no. Um, And they were always with a chaperone. I found that interesting. Interesting. She was 19 and she was going on dates with a chaperone. And she described herself as being very innocent and naive for her age. John was her first boyfriend. Mm -hmm. One year later, they got married. Which 20? Yeah. So, like, looking back, a bad idea for a lot of reasons. Yeah. So, John began being violent with Lorena immediately after they got married. Ugh. And at first it was shouting, name-calling, and verbal abuse, and then that escalated, as it often does, into shoving, hitting, and even strangling her on a regular basis. Oh um, the police were called to their home on numerous occasions, answering domestic violence concerns and calls, and John was once arrested for domestic violence after punching her in the face. Mm-hmm. And to add more to this absolutely devastating situation, John was also regularly sexually assaulting her. Though at that time there was very little discussion surrounding sexual violence in marriage. Mm -hmm. And even today, you know, something a lot of people don't recognize is that you can absolutely be assaulted or raped by someone who you are in a consensual relationship with because consent has to be given. Every single time. Yes. Um, every single minute. <laughs> and it can be taken away. At <laughs> and any can time. be taken away at any time. So that's just a very important little segue for everyone. Yeah. Fun fact um, for you guys consent is super fucking important. Yeah. I got a lot of this information from a great article on the Huffington Post written by Melissa Jeltson. In her story, she writes A parade of witnesses supported her story of domestic abuse, saying they had observed her with bruises on her wrists, arms, shoulder, and head. Others recalled seeing him hit and shove her for minor transgressions, such as how she cooked. An educational pamphlet on rape given to her by her neighbor shortly after the incident was discovered on the couple's dresser by police. She doesn't like to dwell on the details of the battering now, but she said she is surprised she made it out. I don't know how I survived, she said. Wow. So, that's the context that you kind of need. Mm-hmm. And I hope that that gives you a clear image of what's happening in this situation before I tell you this next thing. Mm. So we're going to talk about the incident, the thing that you've been begging for, Sam. We're going to talk about it. At last! (laughs) At last. Um, On the evening or early morning of June 23rd, 1993, as Lorena recounts it, John came home heavily intoxicated and raped her. Mm -hmm. He then fell asleep and Lorena took a knife from the kitchen and cut John's penis off at its base. I tried to write more lead into that, there isn't any. That's kind of just what happened. You just got to give the facts. Yeah, sometimes. that's the facts. <laughs> then, I'm going to let Rolling Stone pick it up. 
She, quote, left their Manassas, Virginia home with $100, Bobbitt's Game Boy, and his penis, <laughs> which she tossed into a field across from a 7-Eleven. Which I... <laughs> I know. I don't know why the detail of the Game Boy just really resonated with me. I really love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love it. It's like, I just, as an extra fuck you, not only am I taking your penis. It really, yeah, I know. You can't even play Nintendogs. So, I again, I'm just saying facts, but dear God, there's conjecture as to whether or not she flung the penis out of a moving <laughs> car or brought the car to a halt, but I think it's the former. I, be- um, I bet it's the former. She was like, I yeah. don't need this. Yes, Boom. that's pretty much what happened. After fully realizing what she had done, she called the police, who eventually found it, the penis, I should say, <laughs> um, in the underbrush and put it on ice in a hot dog box from the 7-Eleven. <laughs> now that, like, I know that there are some very serious topics in this segment, but as long as I'm making fun of him and not her, yeah. I think I can acknowledge that that's probably the funniest thing in the entire <laughs> world, right? Imagine being, getting a call. You're a police officer. You protect people. Yeah. They say, I need you to go out to the 7-Eleven, mm-hmm. and you go, are there ruffians? Was there yeah. a robbery? And it's, no, I need you to go to the field across it. Oh, is there drug users? Has someone run into the field? And he's like, no, no, stop interrupting me. I really <laughs> need to get that this out, because it's very specific. <laughs> You're looking for... Yeah. A penis. Um, which they find... That's a miracle. Um, and after a nine-hour surgery, the penis is eventually successfully reattached, though it did not ever regain its full sensitivity. I don't care about that. No, neither do I. It's just, it's part of it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I mean, fine, but I didn't need him to be able to have a penis. Oh. Um, so naturally, they both go to court. Um, when being taken into custody, apparently Lorena said something to the effect of, he always has an orgasm and doesn't wait for me to have an orgasm, mm-hmm. which a lot of people, it's odd, given the circumstances, and a lot of people kind of use that quote against her during the proceedings. However, we just talked about the first-hand accounts of people who saw evidence of her being severely abused, so frankly, it doesn't really matter to me. Yeah. She was acquitted of malicious injury on account of temporary insanity, which was largely backed up by that evidence of domestic violence, mm-hmm. and he was acquitted of rape, which sucks. Yeah. So it's been 25 years, and a great deal has happened since then. Overnight, this case became an absolute media sensation. Yeah. Very similarly to Monica Lewinsky's case. Something very serious and very personal that became, like, a slapstick headline on the New York Post in no time at all. Yeah. Partially because of their already unusual surnames, Bobbitt became a household name in talk shows, stand-up, and even TV. The media frenzy was coined Bobbitt Mania, and there were even reports of people copycatting the crime. Oh my god. Yes. I didn't even look into that, because we don't have the time. But maybe I'll do a follow-up. Woo! The phrase Bobbit eyes entered medical literature, and the Eunus Aphrodidius, an aquatic predator with, sitter- with scissor-like jaws, has been scientifically nicknamed the Bobbit worm. <gasps> so that's all the things that came from that pop culturally. <laughs> oh my god, it named an animal. It named an animal. So that was kind of the fallout at the time. I'm horrified by just the way that America deals with things, but yeah. I don't even... The memification of everything. Of I'm everything. Um, we never get a break. <laughs> but what happened to the two people at the forefront of this situation? Well, let's start with John. Yeah. Shall we? John has been married and remarried several times and has been accused of assault and battery in some form during almost all of them. 
sounds right. In 1999, he was arrested for grand larceny after trying to steal over $100,000 worth of clothes. John. He started a band called the Severed Parts. He's just leaning in. Yeah. He was arrested for assaulting a dancer at a strip club in Las Vegas. He starred in two adult films. I heard that he did star in two pornos. Uh, John Wayne Uncut and Frankenpenis, respectively. <laughs> Again, in a way, I appreciate the leaning in to what happened. Yeah. He's still abusing women, so I'm not a fan. Yeah, I'm not gonna endorse it, but... Um, I won't act like I didn't look for that on Pornhub, <laughs> but couldn't find it. He had a brief stint as a knife thrower, for the sake of irony. Okay. Um, he has had several cosmetic surgeries on his penis both to enlarge it and then to make it smaller again. I'm not sure why. (laughs) He's been living off of disability since breaking his neck in a car accident in 2014. Oh my god. He also spends his time hunting for billionaires buried money in the Rocky Mountains. It sounds now like I'm making stuff up. Yeah, you could tell me, you could be like, he also took a spaceship to Mars, he also grew an extra penis somehow. He did backup vocals on Sweetener. (laughs) Yeah, like I believe any of (laughs) it. No, he didn't. Sweetener's so good. It's so good. It, uh, it does seem like he's done a bit of everything since he got his dick cut off. Yes, absolutely. He's He's gotten his, you know, paint in all the pots. Yeah. His, what? His brush and all the paints. <laughs> um, he also voted for Trump. Is that all? <laughs> Do we have everything? Yeah. Uh... So, so in contrast, I'm going to let Rolling Stone tell you Lorena's story. Lorena has avoided the spotlight turning down a million-dollar offer to post for Playboy at a time when she was the sole provider for her parents, who joined her in the U.S. after her divorce. She became a citizen, went back to college, and was a proud supporter of Hillary Clinton in the last election. She's devoted much of her time to being an advocate, including starting the Lorena Gallo Foundation dedicated to the prevention of domestic violence. And she has been married to the same man for 20 years, with whom she has raised a family. Wow. So that's what's going on with her. That's a cautiously optimistic ending. Definitely. And so, like, I'm going to let you draw your own conclusions about the ethics surrounding this story. Um, have you, like, and I'm not interested in people being like, yeah, well, cutting off his penis was wrong. Of course it's fucking wrong to yeah. cut somebody's penis off. Yeah. But it's more important that she was systematically raped and abused for mm-hmm. years before that. Yeah. That's more important to me. Yeah. He even got that. his penis back. Yeah. She doesn't get her fucking life back. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So I'm not interested in that. At me on Twitter. Um, but yeah, no. I mean, for me, the moral of this story is don't abuse women and you get to keep your penis. That's a great yeah. lesson or ha- Or how about don't abuse women and we'll think about it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Your penis is never safe on my watch, right? <laughs> your penis is on maritime law with me <laughs> at all times. Do you know, um, like, Aesop's fables and they all had a really important lesson at the end? Yeah, that's mine. Yeah, now I'm imagining, like, you know, the, the, the rabbit who, who, who beat the, the squirrel. And the squirrel and then, cut his dick off. And the squirrel cut his whole dick yeah. off. It's not like the squirrel <laughs> stole his carrots. It's like the squirrel cut his fucking dick <laughs> yeah. off. And then he went on WWE Smackdown on Monday Night Wrestling. Ugh. Which also happened. I left that out. Oh, God. I can go on. He sucks. I can. I hate him. The minute I heard his name, what did I say? That he sucks. That he sucks. And I was right. Um, but I have a cautiously optimistic, besides <gasps> the fact that Lorena is thriving and telling her story and living her truth and all that. Yes, give me more. Uh, Jordan Peele is producing a four-part docuseries called Lorena. Ooh. Chronicling everything that happened from her viewpoint. And I'm thrilled. Yeah, that's going to be so cool. Oh, my God. I'm so excited about that. 
I love it. I wish, though, that he was, like, directing a film (laughs) in the style of Get Out that was, like, (laughs) Lorena in some kind of crazy horror world, Mm -hmm. but this is fine, too. I'm also into this, (laughs) I'm also fine with this. But, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the story, basically. Wow. Yeah. That is, like, like always when we look into these moments of history that have become, like, pop culture phenomenons, like, it is so more complicated and almost always more horrifying for the women in this scenario yeah. than we know, than, like, than gets told. But always, 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 and I mean, not always in real life, but I think these specific stories ends with a woman taking, like, a pile of shit, the weight of the whole world, and still making a life that she's proud of, mm-hmm. and that man getting more and more pathetic. Yeah. So. So, uh, thrilled to be a lady today. Thrilled. And, and I'm thrilled, I'm just trying to think about more things I'm thrilled about. I'm thrilled that Warren G. Harding died before all those scandals came out. Yeah. I'm thrilled that Lorena met a nice man that she's been married to they for years. They have a years. child together. That's so nice. And, um, I'm thrilled that Warren G. Harding's bastard child finally yeah. got... Well, she was no longer alive, but, like, her relatives. Oh, bummer. Yeah. Oh, now I'm bummed out again. Sorry. It's, the podcast is called I'm Horrified. <sighs> Why do we do this? I've I've pitched I'm thrilled to you. <laughs> I said no fucking way. You said no one wants to hear two women be happy. And I stand by that. <laughs> if you haven't heard yet, I'm thrilled that we're going to PodCon in January. Woo! Um, we'll be tabling there yes. and we'll keep you updated about that. We're really excited about that. So tweet us if you're going to be there and we'll meet up with you. Yeah. So, yeah, but until next week. We hope you stay horrified. Stay horrified.